Do you feel it? Do I feel what? <laughs> Love is in the air. <laughs> hey, y'all. Hello. Yeah, <laughs> we are doing a lovey-dovey little episode for y'all. It is our surprise Valentine's episode. Oh, so cute. Yes. I do not feel love in the air, but... <laughs> I'm sorry. I mean, I, I mean, I do, but I'm just saying. Um, I was thinking about this. Is there any kind of... Are just are love songs just Valentine songs, or is there like a dedicated like Valentine song? That's such a good question. <laughs> Maybe That's there a is. Good I think question. it's just love songs. I think it's but just anywho. love songs. Yeah. Uh, you doing all right today? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. Pushing through. <laughs> Ready for this show to open so I can get my another life day, back. Another day, another day, another dollar. That's right. You, I was trying do to you think. Have any so are, huh? Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> you and I do that a lot. We both have a thought yeah. at the same time. Do you have anybody uh-huh. at work that you just can't stand? <laughs> You don't have to name names, but I do, and I am exhausted by it. Yeah, I've had that before. I mean, I used to have a boss I couldn't stand, like literally could not stand. Luckily, this guy's not my and, boss. But. Yeah, but no, I get, I'll get where you're coming from. Mm-hmm. Um, I love how we're talking about love, and you're like, is there just that one person you can't freaking stand at work? <laughs> it's what's on my heart. <laughs> But you bring up an excellent point. I'm sorry. Hold on. Let me get the positive juju. Okay. (laughs) Proceed. I'm kidding. (laughs) I live for it. Um, So anyway, um, in recent episodes or episodes that we've done since now, if that's a good sentence, I don't know. um, We have discussed country love um, Mm -hmm. with couples such as String Bean and S. How do you say your name? Estelle? Estelle? Estelle. Mm-hmm. I don't know why. I said it that way when we recorded, too. Uh, Minnie Pearl, a.k.a. Sarah Cannon and Henry Cannon, and then Shania and Fred. Did he go by Fred or Frederick? Frederick. Frederick. Mm-hmm. So, today we're going to discuss some more couples in country music or related to country music. All Yay. that. So, really exciting. Uh, so I'm going to start out, if that's okay, with some of my favorite couples Be in country guest. music. Okay. So um, if you've been to the Grand Ole Opry, there's a good chance that you have seen Marty Stewart on stage, or you've seen Cotty Smith, or you've seen them both. Mm. Well, they're actually married. And there is a 17-year age gap between Marty and Connie. And Connie was, Connie Smith was Marty's mother's favorite artist. So they would play her around the house a lot. <laughs> and. They're <laughs> dead. I didn't know that. I knew they were married, but this is funny. Yeah. So growing up, they had Connie's record. It was called Miss Smith is going to Nashville. Okay. And it had this big portrait on the front of, of her. And she was just gorgeous according to which she was. If you look like Connie Smith is still gorgeous, but like back in the day, she was this blonde, gorgeous little girl. And, um, he would listen to the album in his living room and just stare at it. And for him, it was more than her looks of just being pretty. He said her songs were so good. 
Her um, vocals were so good. She just had so much power about her. And he felt like it was like a crush, but there was this dramatic pull for him. And they even met when he was 11 years old. She played in his hometown. So. <laughs> Wowza. Yeah. <laughs> Love it for some. <laughs> he said she had the power in her voice that would reach out and touch your heart. So something about Connie just pulled Marty to her. Well, anyway, she was kind of, she was like a teen star, I guess. Well, he was also kind of making his way in the music scene at a young age. He played like in the bluegrass genre at a very young age. Anyway, so flash forward uh, in the 1990s, he had established his own music career at this point. And Connie Smith reached out and asked him to help produce her album. Well, they decided to write some songs together, and a lot of them were of the romantic mm. topic. Well, that little crush that Marty had when he was younger, it reignited into something fiercer. So Marty would end up confiding in his mother that there were these feelings that were reemerging for Connie, but he just felt like it was like, I don't know, the best word I can think of right now, he felt like it was like maybe awkward, it was too much of a risk, but his mom said, go for it. And is like, that's her favorite artist. So she's like, boy, you better go for it. Yeah. So um, she encouraged him. And at this point, Connie had been married three times. She was not. Wow. I'm shocked. <laughs> I know. Connie was not ready to go and marry again. But she um, took a risk, just like Marty did. And they got married in 1997. And ever since then, it's been history. Like, they, you can see it in the way they talk about each other, how they, like, their body language and everything. You can just tell it's love. So that is a cute little story. Um, it kind of reminds me of um, Walk the Line in the very beginning when Johnny Cash is listening to the Grand Ole Opry on the radio and he hears June on there. Yeah. That's what it reminds me of. Yeah, kinda. that's cute. Okay, so, yeah. Um, my next cu couple, which I, okay, so Chris and Morgan Stapleton. I always thought her name was Morgan, but I looked it up. It's Morgan. It's just spelled differently. Oh. Um, yes, so in the early 2000s, both Morgan Hayes and Chris Stapleton were both staff writers. If you don't know what a staff writer is, uh, it's a term in the music industry where these people just write songs all day long. That is their job, to write songs for publishing companies. So through this, they became acquaintances from uh, because their publishing houses were neighbored, um, like they neighbored each other. Morgan would often go talk with her friend, who happened to be Chris's music um, and song plugger, and Morgan explained that her and her friend would wait in anticipation because they knew that Chris would come in with a new song that he wrote and he, they would like, they love just listening to his songs. And so eventually one night, Chris asked Morgan to write a song with him. And she says, we didn't get much writing done that night. Oh, so. And um, that's the T. Uh, yeah. I don't know <laughs> how y'all want to take that. <laughs> they could have went and got Sonic. Something more could have happened. We don't know. Um, the two dated for four years and they ended up marrying in 2007. Chris secretly engraved the words, you are my sunshine into Morgan's wedding band. 
So sweet. Okay. So beyond having a long list of songwriting credits under her belt, she's wrote for, uh, for people from Reba McIntyre to Carrie Underwood. Like, she's got a long list of credits. But now Morgan is part of Chris's band, and she uh, does backup vocals and plays tambourine in his band. And it's not like backup vocals because she stands right beside him on stage. I don't know if you've ever seen them live together, mm-hmm. but I think it's really sweet. And let's see here. They have five kids. What? Really? Yeah. That's what my sources tell me. If that is wrong, go to my sources. Um, (laughs) Because when I read it, I was like, what? I felt like they just got married, but who knows? The two launched a charity in 2016, and it's called the Outlaw State of Kind that does a variety of different types of charity. They recently held a benefit concert that raised $2.9 million for Eastern Kentucky flood relief. And I'm just going to plug it here because I feel I love some charities. I love some stars doing some good work. So if you want to learn more, www.chrisstapleton.com forward slash O-S-O-K. And you'll get there. It stands for Outlaw State of Kind. So that's cute. Okay, now we'll talk about Brad Paisley and Kimberly Williams. So much like the story of Marty and Connie, Brad knew his wife way before she knew him. So he had taken a date to go see this movie at the movie theater, and it was called Father of the Bride. And it starred this brunette named Kimberly Williams, and Brad just became entranced by this woman. Like, something about her just drew him in. And that date that he took, I don't know if it went anywhere, but if it did, it didn't go for long because a few years later, he went and he saw the sequel to Father of the Bride. And again, he saw this gorgeous brunette on screen and he was just magnetized to her. So he, at the time, was coming out with a new album and one of the lines in the song, it discusses Father of the Bride. And so this became like a good icebreaker for the two because he invites her to star in his music video. Cute. Uh, for the song, I'm Gonna Miss Her. And she accepts. Like, how crazy. Yeah, right? She accepts. And their relationship blossomed naturally. And he said, this was a quote from him, I really said to myself, this time I'm not going to play games. I'm not going to pretend I'm somebody else or do things I won't be proud of later. When a man knows... He knows, okay? Mm-hmm. Right there. So one night, they were walking on the pier at Venice Beach, and he confessed his love to her. And he was definitely right about not playing games because six months later, he proposed on that same pier. Wow. And Kimberly laughs about that moment because she says he proposed right in front of the public toilets, which if you know Brad Paisley, he's a really goofy guy. He probably didn't mean to do that, but it just kind of, it's on brand for him, I feel like. (laughs) On brand, exactly. (laughs) Yeah. He is a goofy guy. Yeah, he is. To me, he's like the modern little Jimmy Dickens. Like he he sings these kind of quirky songs, you know? Yeah, and that's perfect because they were like so close. But I dated somebody who did a Kraft Mac and Cheese commercial with him. Mm-hmm. And he told me about on set, Brad had this one guy and his whole job was to have this case of cowboy hats and he would like open it up and Brad would choose a cowboy hat. Like <laughs> that's what he spends his money on as a dude. To have a cowboy that's hat. so crazy. 
this is random, but it's just, it's kind of along the lines of like crazy things stars do. So my professor in college was uh, part of the Turtles. They sang So Happy Together. Oh, yeah. That was their song. He insured, I feel like I may have told this on here, but he insured his hair. Like he was known for his hair and he got it insured. That's just crazy. I don't remember that story, but <laughs> wow. Yeah. Mark Volman uh, was a professor at Belmont. He may still be there. Honestly. Was his last anyway. name really Baldman? No, it was Bol, like B O L M A. Mark Bowman. I was like, well, that's yeah. how <laughs> Okay. So, um, the two married in 2003, and they have two kids. And I love his first son's name. It's Huckleberry. He goes by Huck. I think that's so cute. Second kid uh, is named Jasper. Kim and Brad partnered with Belmont University because Brad is an alumni of Belmont. And they created a nonprofit. It's called The Store in Nashville, Tennessee. The grocery store allows people who are food or necessity uh, insecure to go in and shop free of charge. Um, I bring up all these like charities and everything because I think it's great when two people who are in love decide to spread the love out to other people. Mm-hmm. Um, if you want to learn more about The Store or donate, uh, the website is thestore.org. Nice. And those are my couples. Yeah? Yeah. All right. Well, I chose a a couple that everyone knows. They're kind of country music royalty. That is right. I chose Trisha and Garth. If you were thinking Tim and Faith, close enough. But um, (laughs) they actually met in 1988 while both were still married to other people. Funny how that happens a lot. (laughs) Yearwood was married to Christopher Latham from 1987 to 1991, and Brooks was married to Sandy Mull from 1986 to 2001. Uh, together, Brooks and Sandy had Taylor Maine Pearl, born in 1992, August Anna, August is a girl, pretty cool name, um, born in 1994, and Allie Colleen Brooks, born in 1996. Brooke said, I had been married 13 months when I met Trisha. When someone said, what do you think when I met her? I said, I felt like I just met my wife, which is weird, right? Because I was married. Brooke said ahead um, in November 19, because he did like a A&E documentary, him and Trisha. So that was cute. Um yeah, so in 1985, Yearwood began interning for MTM Records while in college. Uh, she actually attended Belmont. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Go Bruins. Were y'all the Bruins? <laughs> yeah. Okay, good. B-E-L-M-O-N-T. <laughs> Belmont, Belmont, Belmont. Um, <laughs> while in college and recorded background vocals for artists. Three years later... One of the artists she worked with was Garth Brooks. At the time, he promised her that if he was successful, he'd help her sign her own recording contract. In 1991, he introduced her to his producer, and her career began growing. She sang on his second album, No Fences, and signed a contract. She opened for Garth that year, and her breakout hit, She's in Love with the Boy, Fantastic Love Song, Mm -hmm. dropped in March 1991. Yearwood got married to Bobby Reynolds in 1994 until 1999. So, she's just jumping around. 
Meanwhile, Brooke separated from Maul in 1999, and they officially divorced in 2001, which is when he and Yearwood began a relationship. Despite his preference preference for privacy, it is known that Garth Brooks popped the question on stage as he was being honored at Buck Owens Crystal Palace in Bakersfield, California. Trisha said that Garth proposed to me and I'm freaking out on stage in front of 7,000 people. And she always said that that was funny. And then they ended up getting married on December 10th in 2005. Not surprisingly, the two celebrated country stars have recorded several duets together, including What Gave Me Away, Squeeze Me In, Where Your Road Leads, and In Another's Eyes. So sweet. The couple went on a world tour in 2014, which lasted until 2017. A three-year tour is exhausting. I cannot imagine. In 2016... They recorded the festive themed debut album, Christmas Together, oh, which peaked on the top country albums. And they have recently celebrated their 16th wedding anniversary. You know who always does a Christmas special at the Ryman every year? Vince Gill and Amy Grant. That's oh, another yeah. great couple. They're not on my list, though. I had them on my list, but I didn't want to cover them. Yeah. It's kind of boring to me. Okay, cool. You're happy. You know. Okay, one thing that's not boring is Vince Gill went the F off on the Westboro Baptist Church. Did he? Yeah, because they were outside of his show or something picketing because I think him and Amy, I think they were another couple where it was like a cheating thing. And Oh, Lord. Yeah. So he told him off. Uh, that's all I remember. I think I, remember, I followed him on Twitter when that happened. But Wow. Well, he went off on that teleprompter. Um, I think it was Beth at the Ryman one night. He made a total ass of himself on that stage because he was doing a new song. And I guess the teleprompter wasn't working right. That wasn't Beth's fault. That's just a technical difficulty. And he like called her out on stage. He was nasty about it. He had to call mm-hmm. um, Pete Fisher and apologize. And that's the tea. He, he, okay. Oh, what? sorry. No, no, no. Go ahead. I was, I was going to randomly. Um, he was at every single Belmont basketball game. He sat behind the players like he was a dedicated fan. He just always seemed so nice. And then I always heard he was really nice to his fans. But maybe he's just not in a professional setting very nice. But Yeah, like I'm sure he's great to his fans. And I'm great. Yeah. I'm sure he's a great human. But when you're up there and you feel super vulnerable, I'm sure it's easy to explode. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's okay, Vince. Although, <clears throat> listen, my mom is very bitter <laughs> towards Vince Gill. Do you remember when he had that double show special for his, like, Opry anniversary? Mm-hmm. Girl, it was a double show. It was in the middle of August, so you know it's hot as hell. And he made his concert. He didn't care. He had his concert go an hour and a half past time. So everybody outside, like literally people were passing out and stuff. It was ridiculous. It was ridiculous. And then none of the Opry staff would give anybody outside a heads up. So finally, all of us tour guides went out there and started like talking to people, you know, trying to ease the crowd. They were pissed, though. And then right when they got in, 
he was like, don't you worry about it. I know I went over, but you're going to get the exact same show that the last one got. And my mom at that point was like, I don't want the same damn show. I want to go home on time. And I live in Huntsville two hours away. <laughs> Listen, there's nobody. I would Rose Fletcher is one person I wouldn't want to be on her bad side. I love the woman to death. Okay. Love her to death. Oh, and she loves you more than you love her. I can promise that. But she, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I come by it honest, you know. <laughs> you don't want to be on my bad, my dad's bad side either. So I got a double. I got a really? double whammy. Oh, yes. Oh. Yeah. See, <laughs> Fletcher's can be petty. Have you ever known me to be petty? No, Not- I didn't think so. I'm just kidding. I'm so petty. <laughs> my favorite thing <laughs> oh man okay anyway about love um <laughs> isn't it funny i'm like the cynical one and i'm the married one but jeff You're and i are cynical ha- i'm very cynical <laughs> jeff and i are very happy though so don't get any ideas out there you listeners <laughs> you nasties y'all gonna be on tmz <laughs> the rumor mill <laughs> If I could be so lucky. Um, Clint Black and Lisa Hartman. This pair, they've been married for over three decades. That is right, folks. Love can last in Hollywood. Not a lot, but it can happen. Their real-life love story may as well may may be made. That's a mouthful. uh, Into a Hallmark movie. It's that sweet. The pair who wed on October 20th, 1991, actually met 10 months prior on New Year's Eve. It was then that Black was headlining a show in Houston, a city where he and Hartman both grew up. Little did he know that night he would lock eyes with his future wife. Hartman, an actress, of course, who at the time was in town promoting her role in a new movie, had scored tickets to Black's concert, and since she was... Uh, with her mom, they decided to still go to the show because she had said that she was actually incredibly sick that night. So, But she still ended up going, and that is fate, folks. She ended up backstage with a bunch of fans who were waiting to meet Clint Black. They met backstage briefly. Then they had mutual friends who were matchmakers who were trying to get them together. Clint said, I knew I was looking at somebody amazing when I met Lisa. I didn't know anything about her. I didn't know her TV show. The singer-songwriter later told People Magazine. I just looked at her eyes, and I was like, wow. Mm. After their initial meet and greet, despite both having busy schedules, things seemed to move quickly, so much so that they tied the knot less than a year later, like I said, 10 months after they met. So don't lose hope, ladies. Don't lose hope, Whitney, because Black and Hartman didn't cross paths until he was 29 and she was 35. That is an ongoing theme. Minnie Pearl didn't meet her man until she was 34. Are you telling me I got to wait another half decade? Yes. <laughs> I'm sorry. Half decade? Oh. Okay. I was like, half decade? That's such a long time. <laughs> Wow. Math. Somebody's going to get out of middle school and graduate high school in the time that I got. Ooh, when you put it that way, that's a little, that's wild. Billy will be coming up on seven when you meet your man. (laughs) She can be my flower girl. (laughs) Hartman has credited 
credited her maturity to knowing what she wanted when she met him, which I love a woman who knows what she wants. I think, well, she said, I think because we're a little bit older, you know, we're not in our 20s, so we lived some life. We had a lot of relationships, business, personal, and social, and I just feel like we were more developed, and I don't know. We just had a feeling that we were right. Mm. Yeah, it's always That's a feeling. Sweet. The pair exchanged vows on Black's 180-acre farm outside of Houston. Why do I always want to say Houston? Houston. <laughs> Whitney Houston. Whitney Houston. <laughs> outside of Houston, good Lord, and have been happily married ever since. On May 8, 2001, they welcomed their first and only child, a daughter named Lily Pearl, into the world. However, let it be known that Black is also a father to Chelsea Bain, his daughter from a previous relationship. No kid left behind. Along with that, Hartman has been the muse for many of Black's love songs and a singer in her own right. She joined her husband on tracks like When I Said I Do, You Still Get Me, Easy For Me To Say, Until The End Of Time. My dad loves Clint Black. I've met him and he's very short. Really? He's, oh yeah, he's like three inches shorter than I am and I'm 5'6". Short king. Mm-hmm. The Lovebirds, who won an ACM award for... Lo- Vocal event of the year in 2000 for When I Said I Do. Also starred in movies like Flicka, Country Pride, and Still Holding On. Uh, which I love is that movie. The Legend of Cadillac Jack, right? I've never seen it. I was just kidding. Oh, I was like, oh, <laughs> never heard of it. Uh, <laughs> and in 2021, they appeared as Snow Owls on the Masked singer before teaming up for their first ever joint 24 date tour dubbed the mostly dubbed the mostly hits and the misses tour that's a weird name for your tour i can't get behind that show i can't either dude i really cannot (laughs) everybody at work talks about it i'm like i know so many people that are obsessed and that's great live your life because i'm obsessed with love island and people are like ew but i just can't with the mass singer you know, like, offices don't have water coolers anymore, but it's, like, it's prime water cooler talk to talk about the mass Singer. <laughs> That's funny. That's funny. Do they not have water coolers? Yeah, they do. Uh, maybe in other offices. We have this fancy-dancy little water thing that tells you how many plastic cups you're saving by filling up with that. Oh. <laughs> I don't know why that's so funny to me, but it's just <laughs> the times we live in, I guess. Clint said, when Roy Rogers heard we were getting married, he said, I'll give you one piece of advice. Listen up. Don't ever go to bed angry. Now, there's a more complicated way that psychologists have talked about it, but if you look at emotions as a drop, as, excuse me, as drops of mercury on the table, you want to clear one off before another one comes along, because before too long, you'll end up with a blob. You can't dissect it. You can't identify it from the past. So it's good to get that stuff out of the way as you go. We're going to irritate each other. We're going to embarrass each other. We're going to make mistakes, misread each other, and you have to assume the best of your spouse. Good advice. I love that. Yeah. Other great couples are Jeannie Seely, of course, and her husband, Gene. He's very sweet. Um, Dolly Parton and Carl Dean. Yay, Hall. 
Who else? Um, Keith Urban and Nicole Kidman. Oh, that's a great couple. Yeah. And you know what? You know what? Here's what I love about them. Okay. First of all, if you watch any, any concert of Keith Urban's where Nicole is present, she is dancing on side stage like his number one fan it is the sweetest thing like she's never sick of his shows you know what i mean she's having the time of her life at every show um she also has helped him stay clean because he was an addict for a long time and she even told him like if you ever go back to this like that's it right so mm-hmm. it's definitely motivated him to stay clean and I love their relationship and it that was a weird one for me when yeah. it first started but now I've come around to it kind of like Blake and Gwen mm-hmm. I know you're not a fan That's all right. I, I, Miranda's got her new man they look pretty happy so do they listen I remember what you're gonna get into this Kind of, kind of, but you you have way more insight and emotion about it than I do. No. Um, I was just going to say, I remember the day I was sitting in the Kmart break room when news came along that Miranda and Blake were getting a divorce. <laughs> and when I tell you, I'm kidding. <laughs> I was really heartbroken, okay? I remember it. It was like a, it was a pivotal moment. I remember where I was when Zayn Malik said he was quitting One Direction. It's just one of those things. You just remember, you know. Core memory. Not in a great way, yeah. but core memory. <laughs> um, another couple is Jimmy Westbrook and Karen Fairchild. They are the two brunettes of Little Big Town. Oh, yeah. They're, They're lovely people, actually. Very nice. Thomas Rhett and Laura, Lauren Aikens. Mm, Thomas Rhett and Lauren. And then there's a newcomer named Gabby Barrett. She was on American Idol. Um, she met her husband, Cade Fowner, on American Idol. Those two are married now. Cute. And he plays guitar for her, I think. So that's cute. Cute, cute. And then Luke Combs and Nicole Combs are a really cute couple, too. And I'm going to mention one more. Um, what's his name? Jelly Roll and oh. Bunny. <laughs> I love that couple. So cute. I don't. I didn't know he was married, um, mm-hmm. but I just remember that Jeff said that guy named Jelly Roll was going to play on the Opry, and I said, "What?" <laughs> Listen, his music—it's not something that I would go. I I probably would be a little bit judgmental and not go seek it out. But I've been hearing it on the radio every once in a while. Good music, good stuff. Hmm. And then, of yep. course, there's Carrie Underwood and Mike Fisher. They're very happy. Oh yeah. So yeah, there's a, there's a lot of love around the country music scene. Um, however, there's a lot of heartbreak. So let's check into the Heartbreak Hotel, shall we? Walk down memory lane. <laughs> First sure. up, the most complicated situation I've heard of is Tammy Wynette and George Jones, I swear. So the success of George Jones and Tammy Wynette's music together never translated into their personal life as husband and wife, thank goodness. 
In fact, it was a direct opposite. Their relationship had been a roller coaster ride with Jones's excessive drinking that led to a lot of their marital conflicts. They even went through divorce twice. That's right, twice. The first one to reign in Jones's liquor abuse after he allegedly chased Wynette with a loaded rifle while whiskey drunk. And the second, which was final, was after jo- Jones bought a Cadillac in response to a fight they had. Hmm. So, where it started. I feel like between buying a Cadillac and getting chased with a knife, why was the Cadillac (laughs) the last straw? Yeah. You know what, George? You bought that dang love boat out there. I don't know, but... Okay, so how it all started was Wynette and Jones first met at a Nashville recording studio in 1968 while Wynette was married to her second husband, part-time songwriter and hotel clerk Don Chapel. After Wynette returned home from a road trip to find her three daughters, whom she shared with her ex-husband Bird, Bird was his last name, sick with food poisoning. Okay. Uh, let's see. The country singer... Brought the girls to the hospital where she was joined by Jones because she had, like, just gotten home after being on the road, blah, blah, blah. When Wynette's husband at the time, Chapel, finally came home, he reportedly got into an argument with Jones and asked, what's it to you? To which Jones replied, I love Tammy, and she loves me too. Don't you, Tammy? Well, Wynette answered yes, and the pair left with her three children that night. Don't you, Tammy? I love Tammy, and she loves me, too. Don't you, Tammy? (laughs) (laughs) After Wynette's marriage to Chapel was annulled, she married Jones in February of 1969. Both of their country music careers were flourishing, with Wynette's song, Stand By Your Man, taken off. How ironic. She didn't stand by her original man. She left with (laughs) another man. (laughs) The couple began to call themselves, to call themselves. I hate it when people give themselves nicknames. Okay? I really do hate it. Anyway, they started calling themselves Mr. and Mrs. Country Music and moved to Lakeland, Florida. (laughs) Now, I live about an hour away from Lakeland, Florida. It ain't pretty. I don't know why the hell they decided to move to Lakeland, Florida, but (laughs) here we are. The couple even had the phrase Mr. and Mrs. Country Music emblazoned on a $100,000 12-bed super bus for road tours. So, Whitney, if this podcast pops off, we're getting a super bus, and we're putting <laughs> Mrs. and Mrs. Country Podcast put on the side of that thing. Oh, okay. This is giving me vibes of, like, uh, you know, couples on Facebook who constantly talk about how much they love each other. Yes. And like, that is a clear sign that there's trouble in paradise. Yes. And that- I think getting uh, Mr. and Mrs. tea towels that say Mr. and Mrs. Country Music is a definitely... A sign that there's trouble in paradise. I think so. I think so. For sure. I, and this is going to be a real hot button issue and an unpopular opinion, but married couples who share a Facebook make me want to (laughs) die. I think it depends on the people. I mean, it does because there's one couple that I'm in love with and it's fine because they're like never on it. But then there's... 
if it's people, if it's people our age, red flag. But if it's older people and they both don't want to remember a login, okay. You know what I'm saying? No pass. <laughs> That's a I no say- for me, dog. <laughs> I say if it's like people our parents age fine. No. Our age red freaking flag. My mom and dad could never share a Facebook. They never could because dad's always popping jokes off and mom's not. <laughs> She'd be in Facebook jail with him. That's a, See that's the thing. Mom posts really like mom either posts political stuff or nice flowery, you know. Look mm-hmm. at my grandkids, right? And then dad is always in Facebook jail. My father is in <laughs> Facebook jail so much. It is unbelievable. I love how he has a backup account. So when one's in Facebook jail, he goes to this one. And then when that one's in Facebook jail, he goes to the other one. Yeah. And then his first status on either profile is F you, Zuckerberg. <laughs> That's too much sometimes. Too much. It's funny though. It's definitely comical. And and my dad is like friends with my my friends first. He'll be like, "Hey, I found your little friend Whitney on there." <laughs> I'm like, "You did? <laughs> cool. <laughs> yeah, we're friends. He- <laughs> We've been talking. <laughs> oh, okay." <laughs> oh, oh man, some of the things my dad posts on your Facebook though, I'm like. I'm sorry. (laughs) (laughs) He's going to hate it when he's going to be like, I think it's fun. I think it's nice. Do you? Yeah. Okay. That's, that's nice. (laughs) He's going to listen to this and think, well, what am I putting on her Facebook? (laughs) (laughs) Nothing, dad. It's fine. Oh, man. Well, okay. Anyway, so Wynette and Jones <laughs> welcome to their only child together, Tamala Georgette Jones. On o- <laughs> I did not know her name was Tamala. <laughs> the way you fell back, I swear. The way you fell back. That was funny. That, but you can't pay for comedy like that. Tamala Georgette Jones. <laughs> Can you imagine? Can you imagine if Jeff and I named Billy? <laughs> Jeffariah? L- Lizella Jeffina. <laughs> I did not know Georgette's real first name was Tamala. Yeah. I was already thinking while I was getting ready for this uh, episode, I was like, what if my dad named me Paulina? What if my dad named me Paulina? Um, like a horrid. <laughs> I don't know. Paulina Rosetta <laughs> Mary. <laughs> Golly. Yeah. Tamala Georgette Jones. On October 5th, 1970, both Wynette and Jones also had three children each from previous marriages. Talk about the freaking Brady Bunch. The Georgette. Brady Bunch. Mr. and Mrs. Country Music. <laughs> oh my gosh. I am a songwriter. I know that. I'm just kidding. I'm not at all. <laughs> uh, Georgette has taken after her parents. 
parents and is also a singer-songwriter. In Wynette's 1979 autobiography, Stand By Your Man, she's really a standing by that one, she wrote that one night Jones harassed her with a rifle while drunk at their Florida mansion. He fired at her and she ran away, and with Wynette sharing that Jones was put in a straitjacket and hospitalized for 10 days. However, his autobiography denies this incident. <laughs> of course it would, though. Of course it would. But maybe she's crazy. I don't know. She is a little crazy. George Jones struggled with addiction and was an alcoholic and cocaine addict at the time. Wynette once shared, I was a nagging and he was a nipping. Whatever the hell that's supposed to mean. (laughs) Wynette filed for divorce in 1973, but they reconciled a month later and she claims it was simply a ploy prescribed by Jones's doctor to try to shock um, her hard drinking husband to stop drinking. Okay. I can't imagine a doctor calling me up and being like, um, if you can just threaten to file the. <laughs> I feel like d- divorce usually triggers drinking, but yeah. You know? Maybe Too he's strong. like, oh, I'll stop drinking for you, Tamla. <laughs> Tammy, Tammy. In January 1975, Tammy filed for a second time and actually went through with it this time. They continued to make music together, however, and stayed friends. But in 1978, she filed a lawsuit against George for $36,000 in unpaid child support for their daughter, Georgette. At the time, Georgette was living with Wynette and her fifth husband, George Ritchie, in Nashville. They ended up going on a couple tours years later uh, with their last one being in 1995. So I guess they reconciled. They went on tour 35 years later after all this happened. And then again and again, and the last one was in 1995. Tammy passed away in 1995, um, pretty soon after their last tour, and George passed away in 2013. What a wild ride. There's a, uh, this has nothing to do with George, but uh, one of her husbands after George was apparently, okay, this is a story. She was in a mall parking lot in Nashville and she said that she got attacked or something. Okay. Well, it turns out that, I don't know if it was her daughter or some rumor in town that that didn't really happen. It was, she was trying to make an excuse because one of her husbands did it to her, but. Actually, I I hear, I remember hearing something like that. I don't know if it's you who told me or another tour guide. But yeah. Crazy. Mm-hmm. It's like, was it Opry Mills? What? No. I don't know. It could be, though. Opry Mills sucks. <laughs> um... Another couple that broke up, we already talked about Shania and Mutt in episode six, so if you want to know all about that, please go listen to episode six. That brings us to Blake and Miranda, once the hottest couple in country music. Their fire, the fire of their relationship quickly fanned away. Issues piled on top of one another, long distance kids, loyalty, and soon they reached a point in their relationship where it was beyond saving. After five years of marriage, the couple decided to end it, but their fallout did not stop right there as Miranda and Blake went back and forth accusing each other of infidelity. 
However, I was reading other stuff and they both want to deny infidelity. So I'm not quite sure. Considering the two gave up relationships to make theirs work, this is just messy right from the start. And boy, was it. So there was a big old photo of Blake and Miranda hanging in dressing room number six. Or seven, I think. Um, it's called the It Takes Two room, which is like the couple's room. So there's all these photos of all these couples. Well, their photo was real big right in the center because Blake and the GM at the time were really good friends. And then all of a sudden, it was gone, like right after all this happened. And rumor had it he asked Pete to take it down. But it sat there blank forever. <laughs> I mean, I was given tours left and right, and the whole time I was there, they never put a new picture. I'm like, shoot, throw Johnny and June up there or something. Like, what are you doing? Right. Now, this is totally possibly a remunerate speculation. I don't know. Um, I was told by a fellow Opry employee that Miranda was supposed to have a um, brand in the Opry shop, Mm. but... Blake threw a fit about that, <laughs> and that little situation was that deal was no longer happening. So I believe I that. say if because I don't think Miranda she doesn't play a lot of the Opry and she never has unless Blake was playing. I feel like if they were still married, she would have gotten an Opry membership. I don't think she'll ever get one now. Yeah, I agree. I definitely agree because after they divorced, he never wanted her on there, which is why she was never asked to come on. Mm-hmm. That's crazy. No. Um, now we're getting into some nitty gritty stuff because first we're going to talk about Reba and Narvel. Is that how you pronounce his name? Narvel Blackstock? Yep. Mm-hmm. That's a dorky name. <laughs> and Kelly Clarkson and Brandon Blackstock. That is correct. So Brandon uh-huh. What? I just thought of a really cute couple. Kelly Pickler and her husband, the songwriter. Oh. I can't think of his name, but go ahead. Kelly Pickler's a doll. Mm-hmm. Um, Reba and Narvel's son is Brandon. Brandon married Kelly Clarkson. First, so that means that Kelly Clarkson was Reba's daughter-in-law but then Reba and Narvel got a divorce so then Kelly Clarkson was kind of her ex-daughter-in-law and now Reba and Kelly Clarkson are like ex-ex daughter mother-in-law because now the men are out of the picture so Reba and Narvel Blackstock Reba's an an, oh my goodness I said entire not McIntyre Reba (laughs) entire Reba McIntyre's 26 years of marriage with husband and manager, he was her manager, Narvel Blackstock, came to an end um, in 2015. As much as the news came as a shock to fans, Reba was just as surprised. Actually, in one episode of her podcast, Reba confessed to co-host Melissa Peterman and their guest that day, Dolly Parton, that the divorce was not her idea, and even more so, she didn't want it in any shape, form, or fashion, which is very sad. But while the divorce was disappointing for Reba, it did make her stronger and helped her appreciate the industry more as she carved her own way into unfamiliar entertainment territory she never imagined she would be dealing with. 
kind of like Shania. On June 3rd, 1989, McIntyre and Blackstock married on Lake Tahoe while she was on a break from filming Tremors, which still cracks me up that she was in Tremors. <laughs> in her book, Reba, My Story, she writes that she wore a simple white cotton long sleeve summer dress that day and was met by unseasonably cool weather. Because of her immediate relationship with Blackstock following a divorce, Reba's reputation was really criticized by her fans. People said that Reba's divorce was an incongruous behavior. Whatever. Oh, Polly. I know, right? This was due to the fact that Reba built her early career as a home sweet home kind of image, yet despite all the criticism, that this did not stop Reba from marrying Narvel in 1988. In California, the couple welcomed a child in 1990 whom they named Shelby McIntyre Blackstock. For more than 25 years, Reba and Narvel's marriage could well be considered as one of the most dynamic duos in the country music scene, but to the shock of everybody, especially Reba, Narvel filed for a divorce 26 years later, as a result, Reba withdrew from starstruck entertainment and began to manage herself. So, Narvel owns starstruck entertainment. Mm -hmm. So, she withdrew, like, her management. Narvel, on the other hand, had finalized their divorce in December 2015, but Narvel was found with a new relationship just one month after his divorce with Reba. Her name was yeah. Laura Putty Stroud, and she was actually a common friend of Reba and Narvel's. So annoying. Ah! These friends, dude. They're not really friends. Mm-hmm. It nice. was also reported that Narvel and Stroud were very serious and would likely want to get married as soon as possible. As for Reba, she faced every issue and gossip with her head held high, and she focused more on mastering her craft like never before. Hey, hey! (laughs) Not expecting that. (laughs) I had to. That's a great song. (laughs) My look around it in the past, though my life is changing changing fast. Who I am is who I want to be. <laughs> Should I keep going? <laughs> a single mom who works too hard. Loves her kids. And never stops. With gentle hands and the heart of a fighter. <laughs> I'm not. <laughs> it's not <an> awful. <laughs> Reba, despite the strains the divorce brought, kept a close relationship with her three stepchildren. When asked, okay, so okay, my, that's my bad. That's my bad. I'm giving you fake news. Brandon Blackstock <laughs> was in fact Reba's stepson. Okay, mm-hmm. great. When asked about the divorce, Reba said that it happened because someone was not happy about the relationship. Reba agreed with the divorce because she wouldn't want to shackle anyone to stay with her and that life is just too short to continue being miserable. Preach it, sister. I'm sorry that that came at the cost to you, but you're a good woman. I love how she said in a two-person relationship, she said someone was unhappy. (laughs) Yeah. Well, someone was unhappy. I don't know who that could be. (laughs) 
funny. Oh, man. Um, Reba also added that God became her primary help and reason to have the strength to overcome the pain and to keep moving forward. Reba said that she prayed every day to ask God for her daily strength to keep going and for guidance on the next steps that she would take. Mm. Reba. And now she got her a new boo-boo, and they are just ruling the TV world. Really? Who's her new boo-boo? He is an actor. He was on CSI. He's now in both of her new shows. But they were friends for a long time, but they weren't They weren't like friends with benefits or anything. Hmm. They just were friends. And then during COVID, they started talking on the phone and everything, and then, you know... Thing, one thing led to another. See, isn't that funny? Like, a lot of these relationships ended because of COVID. Like, we'll get into that. But basically, um, Casey Musgrave says that for sure. Um, and, Ooh. but then there's, like, other relationships that flourished because of COVID. So, mm-hmm. whatever. Okay, this one is the one that really rocks me. Because I think Brandon Blackstock's kind of a dick. <laughs> Yeah, I shouldn't say that. I should take that out. Why? The D-I-C-K word. Oh. I mean, he is, though. (laughs) (laughs) Facts are facts. (laughs) Okay. My roots are planted (laughs) in the past. No, my life is changing first. Okay, this is the one that really rocks me because Brandon Blackstock is quite a nincompoop. Uh huh. <laughs> <laughs> I was going through all these words and I'm like, should I say it? Should I say it? Should I not? Mm-mm, should I say it? Should I say it? Should I not? <laughs> I'll do my goofy <laughs> laugh. I don't even know what's happening. Okay. Kelly Clarkson and Brandon Blackstock got married in October of 2013, but their divorce was in 2021. It swept the headlines of major entertainment outlets. And as surprising as the divorce itself filed by Clarkson was the $200,000 spousal and child support that she was required to pay Blackstock was even more surprising. Recently, the tides have shifted towards Clarkson's side after a judge fully upheld their prenuptial agreement, heavily contested by Blackstock, of course, winning her the full rights to the Montana ranch where the family quarantined in 2020. 2020. I don't know why I keep saying 2000. 2020. Brandon's father, Narvel Blackstock's company, Starstruck Management Group, sued... Clarkson in September 2020, claiming that their longtime client, Clarkson, owes them $1.4 million in an unpaid commissions in addition to the $1.9 million she already paid. Come again now? Over a divorce? Clarkson has been working with her father-in-law's company since 2007. The paperwork also alleged that the American Idol alum has not paid the total commission for her work on the Kelly Clarkson show and The Voice in 2020, claiming she will owe the group at least $5.4 million by the end of 2021. 
which already happened. So, uh, the Since You've Been Gone singer countersued Starstruck Management Group in November 2020. In her documentation, Clarkson accused the management group of violating the California Labor Code by procuring, offering, promising, or attempting to procure employment or engagements without being properly licensed. Narvel then fired back in a statement at the time. Clarkson's petition conveniently ignores the fact that Kelly had her own licensed talent agency, Creative Creative Artists Agency, CAA, at all times. While Starstruck Management Group provided talent management services on her behalf, it did so at all times that CAA was her agency of record. He continued, It is unfortunate that Kelly is again attempting to avoid paying commissions that are due and owing to Starstruck to try and achieve some perceived advantage in her ongoing custody and divorce proceedings. Now, in November 2020, Clarkson was granted primary custody of daughter River and son Remington. So that already happened. Um, They officially will share joint physical and legal custody of their kids, and Blackstock says it's literally in their agreement that he has to FaceTime the kids every day. Like, these people are ridiculous. The court finds that under the circumstances present in the case, the interest in providing stability and continuity for the minor children weighs in favor of petitioner having primary custody, although it already got, you know, figured out. But it just goes to show how crazy this whole thing was. While Clarkson asked the court to enforce their prenuptial agreement and block spousal support. Okay, what the hell is spousal support? Why does this rich dude need spousal support? Because he's losing his uh, money. Money, uh, what is it called? Money hog? A shark? There's like a saying. I don't know. Cash cow. Oh, he is that moo. <laughs> He's definitely one of those. Blocks spousal support. TMZ report reported that he was seeking four hundred and thirty-six thousand dollars a month for spousal support. Or no, sorry, in total. Three hundred and one thousand dollars of that was spousal support. A hundred and thirty-five thousand dollars of that was child support. He's also asking for Clarkson to pay his $2 million attorney fees. <laughs> Jeez. In March 2020, a judge approved the duo's divorce settlement, granting Blackstock $115,000 each month in spousal support until January of 2024. Hang on, girl. You got one more year of this. He will also receive a monthly amount, a monthly amount. <laughs> Of $45,000, or I'm sorry, $45,600 in child support, with Clarkson being awarded primary custody. So she got custody, but he gets child support. And he has to be reminded to FaceTime them? What, does he, what, he needs help paying the Wi-Fi bill so he can FaceTime them? I don't understand. It's so wild. Blackstock will be able to remain in the former couple's Montana ranch until June... So last June, he finally got kicked out and he had to pay his, he, oh, I'm sorry, he had to pay Kelly $12,500 in monthly rent until then. So he had to pay her rent because <laughs> she got awarded the ranch. Also, he, 
you saw that he had that ranch like at least 13 security cameras outside. She had to convince the court to let her disarm all of them. Oh my gosh. It's crazy. So that's a wild ride for me. When I heard spousal support, I'm like, are you kidding me? Golly. I looked up while you were talking. So Starstruck still manages Carly Pierce, mm. Maggie Rose, and Blake Shelton. Interesting. Which Blake and Kelly were really close at one point. So mm-hmm. I don't know. That's weird. Well, business, I mean, you know. Yeah. Business ain't personal. Very true. Very true. Speaking of Carly Pierce, she and Michael Ray had a fairy tale like love story. Um, however, it ended eight months after they got married. Oh. Which, this is so horrible, but I remember when they first got together, it was like kind of the talk at the Opry. And mm-hmm. part of that was because one of the tour guides knew Michael Ray. And one of her friends kind of was like a um, special buddy, Mm. if you know what I mean, to Michael Ray, and would tell her that he's quite the player and blah, blah, blah. Well, then when Carly got with him, I'm like, but Carly's like so sweet, you know? It was just so weird. But she probably liked the bad boy. And Michael Ray's very hot, so good for you, Carly. Um, So they, let's see. They started dating on a rainy fall day in 2019. And I never forget how they, like, introduced themselves as a couple. They took pictures backstage at the Grand Ole Opry. (laughs) Cute. Um, according to Carly Pierce, they quickly realized that they were not meant to be, and though as short as it was, she would never call it a mistake. The singer believes that people don't go through things that they're not supposed to. Her love was real, and she will stand by that forever. See, I think she was really in love with him. Mm-hmm. I don't think he took it very seriously. But people, I'm really proud of her. She's She's gone a long way. She's made different moves in her career. I think she won a Grammy. Good for her. I like her. But do you remember when they first started dating, people kept calling them the, the new, like, Johnny and June? And I was That's like, That's what you... they were going for. Like, I was like, you better stop it. I think she's talented. I'm not, I don't know about him, but he may be. Just um, my last couple that didn't make it is Casey Musgraves and Rustin Kelly. <laughs> um, I know. I love Rustin. I love Rustin. I love so Kelly. Sweet. Or I love Casey. I love, yeah, I love both of them. Uh, they had a meet cute story. It seemed like Casey Musgraves and Rustin were a match made in country heaven. But as they say, there's always more to a story than what we see on social media, of course. And after two and a half years of being together, the two announced their divorce. She says it was the pandemic that woke her up. The That moment of stillness when they were both home and not racing around the world chasing their music careers. She admitted that they could have coasted for another couple years, but she realized that there's nothing more shameful than staying somewhere where you don't fit anymore. Mm. Sad. So, yeah. A little uh, heartbreak for those jaded folks out there listening to our Valentine's Day special. (laughs) This is a, uh, yeah. Uh, I've always heard that... um, like, if the woman is more powerful in a relationship, it'll never work. 
Like if she's more successful, um, has more of a head on her shoulders. And that's like proven in like literally everything we just said. Mm-hmm. Kelly Clarkson. What did her husband do? Don't know. Reba McIntyre. Okay. Her husband is a manager. Okay. Carly Pierce compared to who's in Wesley. I don't know. Michael. What? what was Michael Ray. Michael Ray. I mean, she was starting out, but she was still way more. Yeah. I think, I think she was him. more well known than he was, but it's just interesting because especially to that point that you're making is that, um, is it easier for these Hollywood couples to marry someone who's just as famous as them? Or is it easier for them to marry someone who's not as famous as them? Because going through this list, like, it can go either way. Right. You know? I think for Miranda and Blake, it was like, they were both on the same level when they they got together. And then he went from just a country singer to this Hollywood star. And that is not Miranda's vibe at all. Mm-hmm. Like now she's married to a New York policeman. Like he's just a regular guy. Hmm. So I think it was just a, a sh- like she married one person and ended up with someone completely different. Hmm. Interesting. I don't know. There's probably fidelity on both sides. too. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, uh, were those all your couples mm-hmm. in Heartbreak sure Hotel? All right. So I just wanted to mention um, there is one couple in country music history that was just freaking weird to me, and that is Kenny Chesney and Renee Zellweger. Oh, oh my gosh. I remember that. Was this a pl- – I just remember because I used to be – like I would watch E! News 24-7. And I just remember there was, like, photos of them on the beach. Yeah. <laughs> she was in, like, a flowy white dress. Um, I don't know if they got married or if they were just engaged. I can't remember. But was that, like, real love or was that a publicity stunt? You know, I don't know. I really <laughs> don't know. Because aren't there all these, like, which we don't have to get into this, but aren't there all these speculations of his sexuality or whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <clears throat> so I don't know if they were like trying to save his image or how did they even meet? Do you know? I don't know that. I probably should have looked that up, but I ran before we got on tonight. I was like, Oh my God. I forgot about Kenny and Renee. Oh, they were married. Those pictures oh, really? of them on the beach were married. <laughs> oh, okay. Didn't know that. Okay. Well, um, so I am going to go into some of my favorite country love songs. Okay. Let's ask you for some. I also went on my Facebook cause I wanted to get some people that I'm friends with on Facebook to tell me theirs and I'm going to shout them out. And so here we go. So some of my favorites are amazed by long lone star, bless the broken road, rascal flats, John Deere green. Now, some people may not may not think that is a country love song, but if somebody climbed up on the Owensboro Water Tower and listen <laughs> said, up, Whitney, boys, <laughs> put my name in a heart, okay? It wouldn't have to be in John Deere Green. It could be in Hot Pink because I mean I'm a, I love country music, but I'm not really like a I'm not like a tractor kind of country girl. Anyway, that's cute. Uh, Little Moments, Brad Paisley. Remember when Alan Jackson? Uh. That song 
Ugh, gives me chills. Okay. Love is the Foundation will be played at my um, wedding. That's Love is the Foundation by Loretta Lynn. Um, waiting on a Woman, Brad Paisley. Okay, this was a random one, but Waltz Across Texas by Ernest Tubb. It's pretty much saying that this guy would dance across Texas just to have his woman in his arms. Cute. That is cute. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, and then uh, I wanted to include like a more modern song. So The Kind of Love We Make by Luke Combs is a bop. Okay. I love that song. I've really, never heard really it. Really good song. You need to look at look it up after this. Okay. So what's yours? So, okay, I have a few. You're Still the One by Shania Twain. I actually jammed out to that yesterday. Um, This Kiss by Faith. I Will Always Love You by Dolly Parton, of course. Although, listen, I will admit I do like the Whitney Houston uh, virgin (laughs) better. Virgin? Really? Virgin better. Oh, I like the Dolly virgin better. I don't know. The Whitney one just gives it such oomph, you know? I don't know. Um, She's in Love with the Boy by Trisha. Mm -hmm. She's in Love with the Boy. And Ring of Fire by Johnny Johnny Cash. Now, can I tell you one of my favorite anti-love songs in the country world? Mm -hmm. (gasps) Who Needs You by Jeannie Seeley. (gasps) Oh, if that a ain't a bop, freaking classic. <laughs> listen, she plays it every single time she's on the Opry. So literally like every night. And every time she would sing it, I would, despite the rules of not being allowed to stand in the auditorium, I would stand in the auditorium in the back and I'd be like, who needs you? She brings the sass <laughs> every night. Yes. <laughs> she's she so does. sweet. Um. I forgot all about that song. I just thought about, uh, did you know Kelsey Ballerini is divorced? Yes, like recently, right? Yeah, I never, didn't know that. <laughs> all right, so I am going to go to my little Facebook status. I said, quick, what is y'all's favorite country love song? Comment below. So um, Casey McKay said, forever and ever, amen. That is a good That's one. That's a good one. My cousin Sarah Merritt, we were on the same wavelength. She said John Deere Green. And then she said The Chair by George Strait. Mm. Um, we've got my sister Helen. She said Butterflies by Casey Musgraves or Cowboy Take Me Away by The Chicks. And then she also said, I don't know, I'm All Yorn. I'm All Yorn. You're oh. mom. That Tyler Childers song. Um, her boyfriend, Alex, <laughs> uh, he said... 10,000 Hours by Dan and Shay. I saw them in the grocery store once. Anyway. Um, Okay, so Marissa Butler said Johnny and June. Um, I think she's talking about I Want to Live Like Johnny and June. Do you remember that song? No. It was by Heidi Newfield. Hmm. It's really good. You should look it up. Uh, Golden Hour, Casey Musgraves, and Sweetheart by Thomas Rhett. Um, Willie Garrett, he is a musician friend of mine. He goes by, his stage name is Willie G, I think. Uh, he said he has a list. He said, "Looking for love, Johnny Lee. Your love amazes me, John Barry. I love the way you love me, John Michael Montgomery. When you come around, Vince Gill. Till a tear becomes a rose, Keith Whitley and Lori Morgan. That's another couple. Yeah. Um, that ended badly. Um, love a little stronger, Diamond Rio, and my love, Little Texas. And then the last one." Uh, Ricky Bayman said, nobody loves me like you do. 
And that one is by Anne Murray, I think. Yeah, I didn't really know that one that well. But uh, if you guys commented and you got a shout out, thank you so much. Yeah, thank you. I love this um, listener interaction participation. Mm-hmm. We need more of it. We do. Email us, share us, like us, follow us, comment us. <laughs> All the things. <laughs> so, well, we loved doing this episode. This From the beginning, we wanted to do a little surprise Valentine's episode. So, surprise! And surprise. we hope you guys either have a little chocolate with your honey bunnies Mm-hmm. Or just treat yourself, okay? That's probably what I'm going to do. I'm probably going to go get me some Chipotle, give me a little guac, mm. you know. Wow, that sounds good. Sad. Eat a whole pizza by yourself. That sounds mm-hmm. glorious. Wallow in my self-pity. <laughs> I'm kidding. <laughs> Watch a love movie, like The yeah. Notebook or Something Borrowed. Or What's your favorite rom-com? Okay, God, that's a hard question. But one that is like a comfort for me is, um, it's, I think it's, who's it got in it? It's complicated, I think. <gasps> oh, with Alec Baldwin <laughs> and Meryl Streep? No, I'm oh, thinking of the wrong thing. One. one second. What is this called? What is that girl's name? It's complicated. It's fantastic. I love that movie with my mom. I want um, Meryl Streep's house. I'm eating Reese's Pieces, if y'all heard that in the background. I'm sorry. I'll be in eating hot fries over here. <sighs> I can't think of the freaking movie. They're out on a beach. It's got the guy that played um, Jack Nicholson's in it. <gasps> Something's Gotta Give. Yes. With Diane Keaton. I, yes. Um, who is the director of that movie? She does all of oh, the oh, Nancy Myers. She is my Listen, girl. Okay. Yes. Nancy Myers makes all the best movies. I will die on that hill. She's got the coastal grandma aesthetic. Did you? Yes. I don't know if you're part of TikTok. So everybody was like, I'm, I want the coastal grandma aesthetic. Because she plays all those like old jazz songs. And it's like all cozy. And they're mm-hmm. about the beach. Oh, <gasps> she's definitely like your Hamptons mm-hmm. granny, you know? Yeah. Oh my God, I love Nancy Myers so much. I wish she would come out with another one. That one is so good. Like, Jack Nicholson is just... I feel so bad for him in that movie. Yeah. That's good, though. <sighs> See, now I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go watch that now, I think. It's a good one. Oh, it's, it's a comfort one. And I'm going to wait for Jeff oh, sure. to bring me home Taco Bell. <laughs> <laughs> What's your go-to Taco Bell order? Okay, well, recently it's been a Mexican pizza with two soft tacos because the Taco Bell he goes to is popping off with the Mexican pizzas because it's either hit or miss. Or he introduced me to the chicken quesadilla. (gasps) I love a chicken quesadilla. Mm. I love a burrito supreme with no lettuce. I love Taco Bell. It's a problem. I always get two hard shell potato tacos Mm. with the chipotle sauce and then a side of cheese and chips. And then a uh, sugar-free Baja Blast. Yummy. I didn't know they had sugar-free Baja Blast. I do not want it, but I did not know they had it. (laughs) I think it's diet. Maybe it's diet. Maybe it's not sugar-free. 
which I think that's the same thing. But anyway, well, well, we hope your night is not sugar free. Go get you some sugars. Um, get you some sugar from, from your, your sugar from your sugar. <laughs> and that's that. That's all, folks. All right. We hope you enjoyed this episode. Please email us any questions or topics you want us to touch on because we're starting to figure out what our second season is going to be, which is very exciting. And as always, like, follow, comment, any post, share us, spread the word, and continue to listen. And have a very, very happy Valentine's Day. We want to thank y'all for listening to Spillin' the Tea. Whitney Merritt and Liz Ent are co-hosts and co-producers. The show is edited by Jeff Ent, and the theme song was performed and recorded by Sam Mays, a.k.a. Chumsky. Follow us on Facebook and our Instagram at Spillin' the Tea underscore podcast for show updates, partner posts, source material, and contact info for any business inquiries. Be sure to rate us whether you listen on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. Thank y'all again so much for listening, and y'all come back now, you hear? Bye.